Well, we're here tonight with a good friend of mine from probably two decades, uh, Yvette Rock. Yvette is uh, an artist in the city of Detroit, has been doing artwork here for a long time. And so, Yvette, uh, can you tell us what you see as your vision or purpose for doing art in the city of Detroit, in your own words? Well, I've been actively making art um, for in Detroit for about 20 years, and I've been exploring, um, looking at the history of the city, looking at its uh, connection to myself as a human being in the city and seeing the changes in the city, and um, just how it relates to my personal narrative and then the narratives of people I come across in the city. Mm. I know that you started off when I first met you and uh, was working closely with you, you were doing a lot of work with youth. Mm -hmm. Is that still <clears throat> a lot of what you have a vision for? Has it changed or evolved? Um, yeah, so besides my own personal practice as a studio artist, I also work, I still work with youth. I uh, primarily do that through a nonprofit organization uh, called Inside Out, and I've been an artist in residence in different schools for the past 20 years, so K through 12, and uh, teaching art, doing workshops, and so forth. And then through my own gallery, I also do other workshops uh, with youth and adults as well around the city. So. You know, it seems to me that uh, maybe Dan, you can chime in here, but it seems to me like that's something that has been stripped away from a lot of school programs is art. Mm -hmm. It seems like art sort of gives real joy to life and gives like children in the city a way of envisioning a way of a different future or a different path that they could take and it's sad that it's so so so, so often lacking in our school systems and so I don't know, it seems like that would be a really a big need that we have here in the city. Yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like in addition to sort of the way that somewhat that could be a path that a child might take into art, it's also uh, a, a path backwards um, that a child might take into their experience, as you were talking about, about narratives, mm -hmm. right? The, the, understanding oneself, understanding one's place. Um, art, music, these are ways that people can place, position themselves in a story, in a landscape, um, in uh, a world that in some ways they, they can create, but in some ways they're just trying to find themselves. Mm -hmm. um, in the midst of that work, like, I, and I guess I have a question about that. How, when, when you work um, with other artists, whether they be children or adults, in a in a world where we're very driven by results, and very driven by money, and very driven by, you know, the next, you know, driven by survival the next thing you need to survive. How do you help them step away from that into sort of an artistic place where they can find that narrative? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, let me, I guess I can think of a specific example. Um, 
let's say adults. So I'm currently, I just began a series working with um, uh, married couples and I invite them into my studio to create a collaborative piece with me. And so the adults really have an opportunity to tell their story. I'm not so much thinking of the final product. I'm thinking of giving adults an opportunity to express what they normally would not express through visual arts. Uh, we often talk, we might share our problems, we might share what's going on even in our marriage, but we don't often then say, let me go make a piece of art about this, right? Uh -huh. So it's not, it's not, at least not if that's not your norm. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really powerful to give human beings and others a chance to find their voice and process their own life story through the arts. Um, and so I'm finding it, you know, I've just started, so I've had one um, come in so far, but it was a very powerful experience and they had a chance to journal and write and then I interacted with the writings and then showed them, you know, about collaging and then they left and then the art piece was mine to do what I wanted to do with it and then they're invited back into the studio. So using art as a conversation tool is important. Uh, I think with kids it's it can be a similar process. Um, one of the last residencies I did, I worked with high school students and I did studio photography so I took all their portraits I printed them and then I gave it back to them and then I gave them transparent film where they had a chance to overlay the film over their portraits and then write narratives and stories and words about identity, about how they saw themselves. On the film. So, yes. Yeah. So it's transparent yeah. and then their portraits on the bottom. So just like, mm -hmm. again, giving, vo giving people a voice and a chance to just think on a different level about who they are, you know or whatever they're going through, or if they just want to share fun stories. You know, it's not necessarily being as somber and serious, but just giving people another chance to express themselves, I think is important. So even as the arts are being, I think they're being stripped away for a long time. It's one of the first things to go, music, dance, theater, drama, art, and so forth. But there has been a movement slowly, for sure, that I've seen of bringing the arts back into the schools in Detroit. So mm. I'm excited to see that and to be a part of it. So. Right. One of the things that uh, you're talking about, how people can uh, live out and process their own experience through art reminds mm -hmm. me of definitely, um, which you know about, is uh, my, my father's story mm -hmm. um, and my... My father, uh, when I was six years old, was was hit by a drunk driver, um, and he ended up with a closed head injury, which uh, it looked like he was going to die, but it com he, he survived miraculously, and, and it changed his entire way of responding to people, and he wasn't capable, one of the things he, he hasn't been capable of is talking about his emotions talking about his experience, talking about what it's like to be him. Um, but, um, you know, in 1992, I think it was, uh, you know, seven or eight years after, after the, the car crash, um, he ended up at the studio of an artist. And she put a paintbrush in his hand and he painted and, and later she, she said that first one, it was no good. 
And then there was a second one, and it was no good. But the third painting that he drew, suddenly it got at something. And we, could, we looked at this painting, we could all see it, this mm. flower, that there was suddenly this depth. And he had done a little bit of art, like stained glass, before his accident. And, but suddenly through that art, uh, I think a whole emotional core and a connection came out. It actually is one of the primary ways that I can connect with my father is by, by uh, looking at his paintings and the rare chance that I get watching him paint. Does he, and he still paints? He still paints. He still paints. He's now in his mid-70s and he doesn't do much. Um, but he still he still paints. Wow. And is it available? Does he do ex exhibitions or? Well, he. Uh, this is a good question. He he was instrumental uh, along with my mother and my sister um, in starting a art studio for uh, people with disabilities. Um, so uh, it's called Paint a Miracle. Um, it's located in Rochester, um, and they you really see a lot of this like you don't and as you were saying you don't always see like the story like the the traumatic story or the you know the thing that you look at that's deep though you do see artwork that's like that too but you sometimes you just see like comical stuff you know like people who you know are expressing their love of basketball you know ex experienced a uh, uh, a closed head injury or uh, ha have some like severe disability that they're dealing with but but you know they can express their you know love of Le LeBron James playing basketball by by this painting where he's you know jumping off the mm -hmm. off the page off the uh, off the canvas I suppose it would be that's really cool I mean um, so Yvette is uh, doing work uh, here in Detroit um, and working a lot with young people and adults uh, your family Dan is doing work with uh, art of people who otherwise don't or can't express themselves so we're talking about you know people that are becoming more human by expressing themselves through art um, people that are learning <clears throat> how to cope with the circumstances that they face and and perhaps even making it more beautiful more unique and more contributory to the society around them um, so I think that that that's that's really cool I think art the way that you also express it Yvette is not just for let's say groups of people married couples people mm -hmm. in the children in the city mm -hmm. uh, people with disabilities but also for ourselves. And so mm -hmm. one thing that I um, was really touched by was uh, an exhibition that you did a couple of months ago at the Northwest Activity Center. I'm not sure what it's called now, but it's the Michigan Arts Council or Detroit Arts Council, the place where... For the live performance? Yeah, on, on Myers. Oh, that's where I had my solo show. That's and a then solo the show. actual performance that I showed the video of took place elsewhere. Oh yeah, that's that's so, right. Yeah. So I saw the <clears throat> the video. Right. What struck me is that, you know, you were expressing something that I'd never really thought about. Mm -hmm. uh, it was you know, I came to you afterwards and I said, Yvette, it's hard for me to relate to that because that is so much from a woman's point of view that it's so out of my category, so out of, out of my box, 
that I think it's probably good for me to see you do this just to know what you're going through. And so, um, so anyway, do you want to say something about this way of you expressing yourself? Uh, and I know that it was a part of the theme of motherhood and things mm -hmm. like that. And I'd like you to say something about that because I was really moved by that. And I was, it made me think about you'd be just the perfect person to, to talk tonight uh, mm -hmm. with the audience. Sure. Um, so that piece, um, which of course took several weeks to develop, is a performance art piece called Chord Dance, C-O-R-D, Chord Dance. And um, I am performing that piece with, or I perform that piece with my four children, Arise, Cedar, Lightning, Temple. And I also asked a friend of mine, Akeem Salmon, to uh, accompany me on the piece. He was a musician playing um, violin and the flute and also sang opera in the middle of the piece. And so the piece for me really, again, it looks at my own role as a mother. It looks, it looks deeply at what the process was to become a mother uh, and the mother of these four children specifically. And so in the piece, I physically move around my children. They're placed in a semicircle, and I do this, what I call chord dance. And that's the connection, obviously, with the umbilical cord and the mother and this very intimate connection we have with this human being <laughs> growing inside of us, which, of course, yes, I, you know, um, you can't relate to that experience, but well, the first thing I did is I but, started feeling my belly button. But were, that's where it all started. But you right were there. exactly, but that is the connection: is that you were connected yes. to another human being, and every human being was connected yes. to a mother at some point or another, and so that will always be a part of us. And so for me, it was very—it was actually jarring <laughs> to step back and start to um, put myself again in that time period my youngest child is 10 so going back to that time period of what the experience was like of growing these children and then actually giving birth to these children and so telling that story the both the the beautiful parts and the traumatic parts because there were some kind of near-death life and death experiences yeah, um yeah life and death experiences of having my children so yeah a lot of my friends including Danny were, were <laughs> You know, heard uh, remembered and heard stories of, um, you know, the near-death experience I had with my some of my kids. And so this was very meaningful to me just to have them physically in front of me. And, of course, they themselves not knowing that experience, right? But right. having been a part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then using symbols for each of them. So it was, it was really beautiful for me to go through that process. And it was interesting, obviously, to have other people... Um, you know, ask me questions and relate to it. Some, you know, a couple of women relating back to me, like, oh my gosh, that brought me back to sure. such and such an experience and so forth. So, <clears throat> I suppose it had some impact on the kids too. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think just for them to, I mean, we've told them their birth stories, sure. you know, so uh, they would say, oh yeah, I remember you told me, that. <laughs> you know, told me that. And um, so I appreciate it. Um, their participation in it. And and you do you plan on developing this performative art? Um, I mean, it, to Discipline. me, it's cutting edge. I've never seen anything like it, and it's it's yeah. it's something that um, I'd like to see develop. And so maybe you can say something sure. about how it might develop. 
Yeah, so I've been, you know, dabbling in it the last two years. I've done a couple of performance art pieces now. And really, for me, since I've always been like a painter, mixed media photography, mostly two-dimensional work, now bringing this other dimension to work has really... I mean, it's informing my previous work, which is pretty awesome. So I feel like I'm taking my concepts and my paintings and photography, and I'm actually bringing another dimension to it, right? Because now there's movement and sound that I'm incorporating, which is like around me every day. So now I feel like my art is getting richer because I'm thinking on another level now. I'm actually thinking sure. about different, using different senses. So, um, you know, I've done other pieces. I just mentioned to you, I did a piece called 400 and that's, you know, I sold 400 bells on a, on a shirt and, and performed with those 400 bells commemorating 1619 until 2019, the 400 years of enslavement in the United States. And then um, I'm planning on recreating that piece, another rendition of it. So I'll just continue exploring different themes. And I've certainly continued to explore the theme of motherhood in different forms. So, You know, one of the things that I did last summer, I don't know if you were involved in this project, but it was doing the Psalms in the morning I was very much a part of that. Were you? Because, you know, let me just explain. Well, I was part of the Psalms, the performance. It was not even performance, hardly, but the, uh, what do we call it when you do something over and over again? Not tradition. but Liturgy. Ritual, lit, yeah, it was ritual, liturgy. Um, but, you know, that's, what, that's what liturgy is. Liturgy, liturgy is. liturgy is performing. It's, yes. It's yes. getting into an act where you actually now are no longer the person you were before because now you're doing something as a part of a of a dynamic yes. that draws you in. So what yeah. I did is I got into these. So for the audience, what happens, I don't know, Dan, if you heard about this, that, that uh, was in their neighborhood in Detroit. Yes, I was there, I was there once. Were you there once? Yeah. So I got into the, what they do is they, they have a, a, a couple of, they have a kind of a, I don't know, a stand where someone is in front and they pray kind of, um, by chorus back and forth the psalms and the the person that is in the middle is in a sort of a, a long it's a urban it's like a it's a monk robe um, dressed it's like a hoodie yeah it's like an oversized hoodie yeah so like urban monk kind of dress wear <laughs> Really large. It's going to be the new trend. But, but you're no longer yourself when you but put yourself your, in it. Yeah. Because now your arms, your, your arms are getting raised, 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 all the way up to the top of the flagpole. About 25 feet. 25 feet. And you're hearing the, the, the sort of the, the, the refrains of the words back and forth, the verses. And all of a sudden you are no longer just praying by yourself and you're not praying yourself. You are now a part of a sort of a whole dimension a whole kind of um performance that is much bigger than you are and 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 that's what it seems to me liturgy really is mm -hmm. uh, liturgy is actually the participation in something that's much greater than you and it involves another story or at least other people's narratives other people's stories and so i found myself really like able to i mean i know that this isn't necessarily a you know it's a, a christian podcast but i find myself praying for people that you know, I wouldn't have thought about, and mm -hmm. and and because now I was a part of this bigger movement, mm -hmm. and a part of something bigger than myself, um, in uh, in this in this monk's cowl, and uh, you know, uh, lifting my arms up, and everyone focusing on me, and so all of a sudden, you know, I was 
I was in like a drama and I was there was a plot and there was a and I was going to see that I would you know see this to the end and so and I, I don't know is that, that that also qualifies as performative art yes it? yes um, I want to as an artist working with my peer on this I have to say the project is called wind okay and it was conceived by Billy Mark yes and his wife Sarah Mark um, created the costume or the outfit that was worn so and that was you know part of the, the calling it wind is certainly a big part of the experience there and sometimes I actually video recorded the that outfit sometimes when there was nobody in it when there were really heavy winds and you would oh, yes. see the arms just going everywhere and oh, almost yeah. hitting our house and it's pretty magnificent. Wow! wow. <laughs> like because the it continues to perform, so to speak, yes. even without the human form wow. in it, because yeah. of the power of the wind yeah, actually yeah, moving absolutely. it, and the chorus continues happening yeah. when they're where they are not right. So yeah. it's pretty, pretty amazing. But that was forty days, a forty-day project. Sunrise and sunset, and midday, and midday too. So with, but with performance art, I, I feel like you, you talked about it being three dimensional. I almost feel like it's four or five dimensional. That yeah, you you you, you you end up. So not only is there the the third dimension of depth, right, right. but there's the dimension of time mm -hmm. and unfolding, right? right and you right. can sort of simulate that in something, you know, two dimensional. I mean, in a certain way, a story, and you've, you've written stories, right? Mm -hmm. Stories have a certain level of time in it. Mm -hmm. But um, with, with a performance, you have, it takes a place over time, and there's the audience to deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, there's potentially interaction. Something might not go the way that you expected it to go, and then the question, do you sort of stick to the script? Do you... Right. break off of the script um do you when you've been part of, of of performance art how how do you how do you think about those things yeah it's interesting i think there are different right there are different kinds of performance art as you can imagine <laughs> so mm -hmm. some artists are very conceptual performance art very conceptual and so they're just dealing with rhythm maybe maybe pattern in their movements nothing not a larger concept than that. They're really looking at some of the formal things in art making, right, and using performance as a way to deliver that or explain that. Um, and then for me, a lot of it is, it's both concept, but it's also, um, I'm not uh, writing the whole script out. So I have like a large, I have an idea in my head and I semi-choreographed it, but it's pretty, important for me to be spontaneous mm -hmm. so I can't perform it twice the same right. exactly it is what it is and that's part of the special the like special nature of it for me is like if you came and you saw it you saw it I'm not you know um, and some of the performances I've done not telling anybody I just show up in some location in Detroit and I perform it and ah. if you're there you're there um, yeah. <laughs> and so there's definitely an element there of certainly of storytelling but it's not always scripted i really love actually the surprise element of it and seeing what can i come up with at that given time in response to my surroundings so.